All right, everybody. Welcome back uh, after a very long hiatus to the Voice of Reason podcast. I'm your host, Owen Reese. Uh, and today we're coming back, uh, like I said, after a, a pretty lengthy hiatus, we are back on the show. Um, you know, going to take a couple of minutes here, kind of explain what's been going on with me, uh, my life over the past, I don't know, a year or so since I did this show, uh, and then kind of get right into it. Uh, we have a mailbag episode this week, so I put out on Twitter, we got a few questions uh, from a few people to answer here on the show. Uh, and then from there, we'll kind of just talk about the future of the pod. I don't want this to be anything super long or super lengthy. Um, but kind of just to get back into the flow of things here, we are 17 days away from the uh, NFL drafts beginning, um, and obviously, which is a, a huge time of the year for me, uh, you know, trying to get into, um, well, the industry, but then also just, again, you know, as a Packer fan, as a fan of football, uh, college football, NFL, seeing where these kids are going to go, um, you know, what their fits are like, going to be with their teams, and kind of seeing all that. So, uh, like I said, I will kind of jump into, um, you know, kind of what I've been over uh, the last year, where I've been, what's been going on. Uh, so last April or May, whenever I recorded the last episode of this, um, I was still at Whitewater. I was a graduate assistant football coach. Um, since then, obviously in the fall, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we did not have a fall season at Whitewater. We were fortunate enough to practice, um, but that was about the extent of what we got to do. After that, uh, in December, I graduated. Um, and moved back home. Uh, just kind of Whitewater didn't have a ton for me to do. Uh, and at that point, it was just kind of time to move forward. Um, since then, I've been doing a lot of teaching. Uh, I'm a long-term assistant, or excuse me, a long-term substitute teacher. Um, so that's what I've been doing right now for an eighth grade classroom. So I've been doing that, just trying to make some money uh, and, and be, you know, kind of continue to push to get into the industry and, and network uh, and all that good stuff. So that's what's up with me. Uh, that's how it, it has been quite a while since I've done the show, uh, mostly out of laziness. Um, but here we are. So we're back. And I kind of want to jump right into it. We have four or five um, mailbag questions that I want to do. Uh, so let's just jump right into this. Uh, so the first mailbag question um, is from our buddy Kurt Hogue, friend of the show, uh, who writes for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, a former Bucky's Fifth Quarter writer as well. Um, and he asks, or he's, you know, brings up, rate this upcoming Wisconsin offensive line group relative to the past few years. So upcoming into the 2021 fall, um, my guess, my best shot at a projected starting five uh, would be Logan Brown, the former five-star recruit uh, from Michigan who will be a redshirt sophomore. He will be the left tackle. Josh Seltzner will be a left guard. Caden Lyles will be the center. Logan Bruss and Tyler Beach will start at right guard and right tackle. Um, so that's basically uh, from left guard over is the same starting four um, as we saw most of last year uh, when those guys were all healthy. And then Logan Brown stepping in for Cole Van Lannen. Um, if you take a group, uh, take a look at that group itself, um, it's probably the most athletic it's been since 2017. Um, in 2019, um, you know, obviously they went to the Rose Bowl. Um, that group, I would say, was maybe the least athletic offensive line uh, that the Badgers have had in quite a while. Um, and that's, I'm not, I don't mean that as a knock, but guys like Jason Erdman and, and David Mormon getting a lot of playing time. Uh, John Dietzen, you know, it, it was a, a, a not very athletic group. Uh, and truthfully, so I think that's something that the, 
the Badgers have improved quite a bit. Um, I think this is a nice situation for Logan Brown to step into. Like, obviously, this will be his third year in the program, right? So, like the, the like the learning curve of the the playbook and stuff like that, I don't really think so much exists any longer. Uh, but as far as you know, he's stepping into the starting lineup with four guys who have started for at least a year. You know, have quite a bit of starting experience amongst the four of them. So, I mean, it's not like he's going to be you know stepping in and be asked to be the leader of an extremely young unit. Um, so I think that Logan Brown should be in, in a great position to succeed in 2021, which would be huge for him. You know, obviously the Badgers have continued to recruit more effectively at a higher profile over the past four to five years. Um, but got when you get like Logan Brown was their their centerpiece in recruiting for quite a while. He and Graham Mertz came in the same year, um, and now obviously they got another five star in uh, Nolan Rucci this past class um you know but someone like logan brown it's huge for that recruiting success to see him develop and kind of really blossom and and turn into the player that all the fans um and the badgers thought that he could be um, when they recruited him so i think that's a big thing so i would say this line probably has a higher ceiling than they have in the past um you know losing cole van landon and john Dietzen does hurt from an experience standpoint um no doubt about that i'm sure van landon will probably get drafted somewhere on day three and you know, John Dietzen was around the program for over, you know, over five years, almost six years total. So it's been around for a long time, very knowledgeable, a lot of experience, um, you know, but as far as, you know, this, I think this group can be more athletic and, and could be better potentially, um, you know, than these past couple of years have been uh, with, with the, the other four all being seniors and Seltzner, Lyles, Bruss and Beach, um, you know, and, and with the high upside and Brown. So that's where I think, uh, I do think it's a good situation for Logan Brown to step into. I think this group should be improved um, and should continue to help Graham Mertz. Uh, Mertz kind of had stunts in his development last year, uh, and some of that had to do with um, you know struggling pass pro at times. You know there are times where Mertz is holding onto the ball too long, no doubt about that. But um, I think with an improved pass protecting group up in front of him, I think that'll help a ton for Mertz's development and in turn make the offensive line's job easier as well. So um, next question uh, was from Mike Renner uh, at PFF Mike. Um, make sure you check out their draft guide, uh, the PFF draft guide. Mike is the head draft writer for PFF. He's a good dude, friend of the pod. Um, and Mike asks, why didn't Brian Calhoun work out in the NFL? So for those unfamiliar, Brian Calhoun uh, was a very good running back for the Badgers in the middle 2000s. Um, was a third round pick of the Lions in 2006. Uh, he was from Oak Creek. Uh, he played his first two years at Colorado, but transferred back to Wisconsin uh, and, and was an absolute stud for the Badgers um, in 2005 and 2006. As I mentioned, was a third round pick of the Lions, uh, but didn't ever really kind of develop into what people thought. Um, he ended up with modest stats, really probably a good season as a secondary back at that time was about what his career stats ended up being in 2009. He tore his ACL and that was kind of the end of his, or excuse me, in 2007, he tore his ACL. Um, in 2009, he was cut from the lions and never joined another team. So that was kind of the beginning of the end for him with that injury. Um, and he's currently runs a gym in the Milwaukee area and he does a lot of strength and conditioning stuff with area athletes. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately I think Mike does have this question somewhat tongue in cheek. Um, but it is a kind of an injury thing and he just kind of never really seemed to catch his traction in Detroit at that time. Um, and, and kind of phased out pretty quickly. One of the unfortunate realities of the NFL is that every single year, very talented guys 
uh, enter the league. So if you're not, um, if you're not, it's very, it's, I guess the best way I can word this is it's, it's not hard to get passed by. Uh, and at that point it seemed like Calhoun kind of had that happen to him, unfortunately. So, uh, next question is from Quentin Lash, um, friend of the, friend of the show. Quentin Lash is a good guy. One of the big things, uh, we've seen this off season was Bryson Williams. The, it will be a red shirt junior, uh, defensive tackle for the Badgers. And he, um, it was listed at 280 pounds on the spring roster. Uh, and as someone that played nose tackle for the Badgers, started at nose tackle for the Badgers um, as a freshman, that was pretty surprising. So his question was, what do you think Bryson Williams' projection will be at 280 pounds? Um, you know, since Quentin asked this question, we have seen it um, per Jeff Patrikas, who writes for the State Journal. Um, he is up to 285 currently. The Badgers going through spring ball right now. The, uh, he was injured in 2019, uh, which is when Keanu Benton kind of really stepped in and took over that job. Um, but when he said he came back from surgery, he said he was 320 pounds and he said he felt terrible, just wasn't able to move how he wanted to. Um, so he cut quite a bit of weight. He was 260 pounds at one point, uh, and has kind of worked his way back up to 285. Uh, I see him as to continue is to probably be the backup or rotational nose, um, for him, but I would assume he kind of settles in somewhere around 295 to 305. I think that one thing we've seen from Wisconsin over the past few years is that Jim Leonard doesn't want uh, super huge defensive linemen. Like, obviously, they're all big guys, but they don't have any 350, 370 pound nose tackles or, or even anyone really over 330. So, Keanu Benton is 313 pounds, I believe, and he's the heaviest defensive lineman the Badgers have. So, think that athleticism and movement skills are being um, prioritized with Wisconsin. So I would assume he stays somewhere in that 295 to 305 range and then finishes up his career um, as a backup nose tackle. I do think that he can be in the game quite a bit in the Badgers 425 nickel stuff. I think that um, Benton kind of gets taken off the field at times. He's not a ton, not really a, a pass rusher so much, um, you know, but I think that Williams can kind of find his way onto the field there as an, as well as a rotational nose tackle. Um, so thank you, Quentin, for the question. I think that is an interesting thing moving forward, kind of seeing how he does. Um, question from Bill Carroll, um, at 11 Bravo 138. Who are the day three defensive tackles I could see becoming starters? Um, this is an interesting question, um, and thank you, Bill, for the question. I think that the defensive tackle position in the NFL with the bevy of fronts that, that we're seeing nowadays um, I think that opens up things quite a bit for a lot of guys. It's no longer either teams just play a 4-3 or a 3-4, and they're either looking for smaller defensive linemen uh, to play three technique or these massive space eaters to play uh, nose uh, in a 3-4 or a 4-3 or you know a 3-4 or a, a the traditional, the, the five technique defensive ends in a 3-4 that were 6-5 and 315 pounds and couldn't really pass rush but were really big and stopped the run. Um, you know, kind of, we've seen more of a movement towards kind of everyone runs everything or, or a couple pretty base things. Um, so I think moving forward, that kind of opens a lot of things up uh, for different body types at the defensive tackle position in the NFL um, and, and kind of creates, you know, the ability for different guys to do different things and succeed in different ways. So um, I have three of them here. The first one that jumped out, I tweeted about him the other day, Mustafa Johnson from Colorado is a undersized, shorter, penetrating defensive lineman. 
um, probably in that six foot, 290 pound range. Uh, I think he's a guy that Green Bay could look at um, under the new leadership of Joe Barry as a defensive coordinator. The the Packers will be much more of a they'll still run odd front stuff, but they'll be more penetrating focused rather than um, kind of you know eating up blocks and two gapping uh, like Mike Pettin preferred. And I think Johnson's a guy with his quickness and his ability to get into the backfield can be a guy that Green Bay would target um, on day three and could be a um, kind of a, a disruptor at defensive tackle. I think regardless of where he ends up, though, if he ends up in a, in a system that prioritizes upfield disruption and penetration, let him line up in the B-gap and get vertical rather than um, asking him to do a ton of different things, I think that he could find a lot of success there. Um, he was also down at the College Gridiron Showcase game that I worked um, and was very impressive down there. Another one, the second one I had, another guy that was at CGS who I think could carve out a role for himself is Jack Heflin, uh, who originally started out at Northern Illinois. He was a graduate transfer at Iowa this past year and started for them at Nose. Uh, and again, was down at CGS. Uh, got to talk to him a little bit. He is about the complete opposite of a player as Mustafa Johnson is. Uh, Heflin's in that 6'3 or 4 range and around 315 pounds. Uh, much more stiff athletically, more of a, a run stopper, a, a nose tackle type. Um, but I do think he's a guy that plays really strong and is so good against the run that he could be a guy that um, you know kind of works his way into a role with a team in that vein. Um, you know, and he may never be a starter, but could receive big time rotational minutes, um, big time rotational snaps uh, as a defensive tackle. And um, like I said, primarily on first and second down being those rundowns. So I think he's another guy that, that could do that. And then the third is Bobby Brown, the third um, from Texas A&M, who kind of seems to be getting lost. This is not a super deep defensive line class, defensive tackles in particular. Uh, but Bobby Brown's a guy who I feel like should be getting more attention um, out of Texas A&M. He's, he's a big guy. He's 6'3 or 4 and 315 to 20 pounds. Um, but he has quite a bit more athleticism than a guy like Heflin, um, you know, but is, is still primarily a run defender, but has some juice and can get um, some pass rush production for you. And I think that he's another guy, um, a former big time recruit uh, at Texas A&M and is a guy that I, I think is, is, like I said, being slept on a bit right now. It wouldn't surprise me if someone, um, you know, he kind of screams Baltimore Ravens to me. Uh, I would also uh, Pittsburgh you know, kind of teams like that, I could see him ending up there and really being a problem, um, you know, being a nice a nice piece and, and a starter and defensive lines like that. So he, those are the three. So thanks for the question, Bill. Um, Mustafa Johnson from Colorado again, um, Jack Heflin, and then Bobby Brown the third out of Texas A&M. And then lastly, a question um, from Mark Schofield, another friend of the pod, um, good guy. Mark asked, and you follow him on Twitter, at Mark Schofield NFL. His question um, – Regarding the show Letter Kenny, so if you do not, uh, or if you are not familiar with the show Letter Kenny, um, it's on Hulu. It's a Canadian-based program. Uh, it's about the small town in Ontario named Letter Kenny, um, and there are kind of the misadventures of of that friend group or the group of guys in the town. There are three main groups that the show focuses on. Um, there are the Hicks, which are kind of the more the main characters, the central characters. Wayne, Daryl, Dan, and Katie, um, they all work on Wayne's farm together and all hang out. Um, then there are the skids, 
who are the druggies or kind of um, thought to be, you know, burnouts, degenerates, um, and that's Stuart and Rold. Uh, and then there are the hockey players, um, and those the main two characters for them are uh, Riley and Jonesy, who are two very meathead, um, jock, stereotype uh, hockey guys, hockey players in Letterkenny, right? So that's kind of the show. The best way I could describe it is if you're familiar with Trailer Park Boys, which is another Canadian show, um, Trailer Park Boys is much more vulgar, but this is probably a mix between um, like Seinfeld and Trailer Park Boys, kind of where that would meet in the middle. Um, there is some lowbrow comedy, you know, and there is some vulgarity, but it's not, um, I don't think, ever excessive or meant to be distasteful. Uh, in the show, it's much more comedic rather than vulgarity for the sake of it. Um, but that's so that's Letterkenny. I would recommend seeing it. It is very funny. And Mark's question is, uh, do we have comparisons for NFL players to Letterkenny characters? So I went through quickly. So again, if you're not familiar with the show, uh, bear with us here. I won't hang on this stuff too long. Um, but so the first one, so Wayne is the main character. Um, I compared him to Matt Stafford. Wayne is considered to be the toughest guy in Letterkenny and is very well respected by everybody in the town, um, by the guys and the girls in the show, thought to be a gentleman um, and just an overall good dude. Uh, and I think that's kind of the, the reputation that Matt Stafford would hold. Um you know, he's a he's a, thought to be a tough guy. He's very well respected by his teammates, um, thought to be a good dude. He's done a lot of good in uh, when he was in Detroit, now obviously with the Rams. So that was my quick one for Wayne. Uh, Daryl, uh, my comparison would be uh, Ryan Tannehill, probably a guy that's probably underappreciated but is uh, has his limitations and um, is kind of the sidekick, never thought to be the star. Uh, obviously, Tannehill in, in Tennessee has done a great job with the Titans, but um, you know I think if anyone says, well, Tennessee Titans, the first person that's mentioned is Derrick Henry, right? So Tannehill's kind of that sidekick, second fiddle, um, but does his job and does it well, and uh, so Tannehill's there. Next, we have Squirrely Dan, um, who's a great big guy who wears overalls. Um, so mine was immediately Van, uh, Vince Wilfork, um, you know, a big hefty guy who played defensive line for the Texans. And the Patriots, and uh, if you ever watched the season of Hard Knocks with the Texans, he shows up to practice one day in a set of bib overalls cut into shorts and cowboy boots. Um, so that was my immediate one. Dan's a big guy, kind of a, a got a beard, scruffy, um, burly guy. So that was my quick one. Uh, Katie is Wayne's sister in the show. Um, my comparison for her, she's very pretty, but never seems to quite have everything go right. Um, so my comparison there was Will Fuller, right? So Will Fuller, really attractive, um, super fast, um, you know, sexy wide receiver. Everyone likes to throw the deep ball, right? So Will Fuller's a big time deep threat. He ran a four, three, uh, you know, what's not to like, well, he does have some injury concerns at times and he does have drop issues at times. So Katie is a very pretty girl, um, is Wayne's sister. Um, you know, she kind of handles a lot of her own business. She is a big girl. Um, you know, but at the same time, um, you know, can kind of be promiscuous at times, but, but nothing never seems to, um, you know, land with a guy and really stick with them long-term kind of has a guy for every season. Um, and then it's kind of Will Fuller just signed with the dolphins, but kind of a guy that, you know, never seems to quite put it all together, despite probably the sum of his parts being greater than the sum. So, um, next I go to Stuart. Uh, so Stuart is a, uh, he's the leader of the skids and, um, 
considers himself very intelligent and uses a lot of impressive vocabulary, uh, but does a lot of stupid things. Um, and so that's, I kind of compare them to Jacoby Brissett. Um, so Jacoby Brissett has had some pretty uh, interesting tweets um, on Twitter, asks some pretty uh, interesting questions. I'd say more like stoner questions, sort of. Um, but he was also, you know, questioning whether or not the earth was flat or round. Um, and so to me, you know, kind of the the outspoken guy on that. Um, so that was kind of a, a tricky one, but Jacoby Reset was probably the closest one I could come up with. Rold is the second fiddle in the skids. He is very small, uh, very petite for a guy. And um, so that was my my comparison was Jake Elliott, um, the kicker from the Eagles, who's like 5'7 and 160 pounds, um, just out of a size comparison. Um, so that's where I went there. And then Riley and Jonesy, to wrap this up, uh, the hockey players, they're very, meat, like I said, meathead stereotype um, jocks. They are, you know, always going after women and they're just bros. And so for those two, I went with Gronk and Brian Cushing. Um, so Gronk uh, is pretty notorious for his uh, somewhat childish jokes at times, his 69 jokes or his, um, you know, he does ads for um, for the uh, the lawnmower Um the uh, men's uh, genital area shaving um, product. And so that's, you know, there's some some double entendre there, some innuendo there. So Gronk there. And then Brian Cushing, again, just a huge kind of a meathead, played linebacker for the Texans um, and is now a strength staff guy for the Texans, got busted for PEDs at least once um, and was just kind of a, a big jacked up dude uh, who hit really hard and, and um, is famous for headbutting a guy without a helmet on while the guy he headbutted was wearing a helmet and split his forehead open. He was bleeding uh, pretty profusely at the time. So those are my uh, Letter Kenny player comparisons. Uh, thanks, Mark, for that question. Um, and to kind of wrap up the show, I do um, want to keep these uh, quite a bit shorter. Um, you know, once we get to the draft, there'll be quite a bit more analysis and talking points on that stuff. And, and leading up to the draft, uh, I'll probably hit on a few positions I think the Packers need to address and, and some guys that they could do that with. Um, you know, and then during the, the draft and after the draft, there'll be some more thorough, comprehensive uh, analysis of the guys they picked, um, undrafted free agents they signed, where those guys could play their roles, etc. Um, but I do want to keep these a bit shorter leading up to that. Um, so moving forward again, more Packers talk with the draft upcoming, uh, and then we'll talk some Badgers, uh, football recruiting, and then, um, just kind of heading into their season in the fall, what they could look like, um, some forecasting, um, you know, some official visits being announced now, those will happen in June. Um, you know, but with, with the dead period, the recruiting dead period, um, you know, continually being extended. Um, but, uh, there hasn't been a ton of recruiting news for the Badgers, but kind of heading into the summer, things will ramp up quite a bit. Um, and we'll probably start to see some more commitments at that time. Uh, so those will be the other things we'll talk about on the pod. Um, so again, thank you for listening. Thanks for, um, for, for listening and checking in with this, uh, this again, this will continue to build up as we get towards the draft. I just wanted a quick episode today, um, to kind of get back into the flow of things, get the mailbag questions answered and kind of talk about where the pod will be moving forward. So, um, thank you again for listening, uh, to the voice of reason podcast. And, uh, I look forward to having you guys back for the next episode.